0: Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thank you for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 15. This is the final episode of 2020, and I'm pleased to share my conversation with Chris Brundrett and Andrew Sides. If you follow Texas Wine News, you'll know that William Chris Vineyards and Lost Straw Cellars announced a plan to merge in October of this year. Today, you'll hear from the founders of those two wineries about the new William Chris Wine Company and its plan for the future. Before we get to the interview, I'll be sharing some Texas wine news. There's a bit of current wine news, and I've also got a roundup of the biggest Texas wine stories of the year. Vine Pear recently named the 50 best wines of 2020, and there was one Texas wine on the list. Coming in at number eight is Southhold Farm and Cellar's All Things Go. Vine Pear writes, it doesn't get more Texas than this wine. It hits the nose with spicy, sweet aromas of pineapple salsa and pickled chili peppers. It grips the palate with prickly, peppery salinity and zest. We've never tasted anything quite like it. We can't think of a better pairing for carnitas tacos from the spit, pineapple juice dripping, and hot corn tortillas from the grill. Did somebody say Tex-Mex? That wine is a red blend from Robert Clay Vineyards made up of Merlot, Ruby Cabernet, and Tempranillo. Unlike some of their blends, Southhold kept these blocks separate during fermentation and aging. The wine is still available on the Southhold website. It's $35. The new CL Buteau and Wine for the People Collaborative Tasting Room opened last week in the Fitzhugh District of Austin, out toward Dripping Springs. They're doing outdoor tastings by appointment. After 10 years, 4.0 Cellars, a collaboration between Brennan Vineyards, McPherson Cellars, and Lost Oak Winery has relaunched. The new name is Texas Wine Collective. According to Kim McPherson, the inspiration behind the relaunch is to continue to push the boundaries of what's possible when we work together with an even more comprehensive tasting room experience, new brands, better resources, and more winemaking collaboration. This winter, the tasting room along Highway 290 will add on to its outdoor tasting space and introduce new educational opportunities like Rhone varietal blending sessions, blind tasting seminars, and a selection of private wine and food pairings. Well, Houston Rodeo Uncorked Wine Competition recently released results, and congratulations are in order. The top Texas winery was Messina Winery, and the top Texas wine was awarded to Ron Yates Tempranillo from Friesen Vineyards in the Texas High Plains. That's a 2017 vintage. The list of Texas award winners is quite long, but you can view all the winners in the blog section on the Texas Wine Lover website. That's txwinelover.com. The results from the San Francisco International Wine Competition also hit newsstands recently. Two Texas wines won Best in Class awards. English Newsom Cellars Reserve Viognier from the Texas High Plains won Best in Class, as did the Messina Hoff Winery Reserva Double Barrel Sagrantino from the Texas High Plains. There were a couple other double golds awarded. The 2018 Eden Hill Alianico, the 2018 Hack Winery Torriga Nacional, and the 2017 Ron Yates Friesen Red Blend, which is a Bordeaux blend. Well, Wine Industry Advisor just published a big write-up about John Rivenberg and the Kerrville Hills Winery. You may know that John recently purchased the Kerrville Hills Winery. He's transforming it into a winery incubator. One of his primary goals is training and mentoring winemakers. A few of the members of the incubator are Abastris, Antima Cellars, Fly Gap, Calais, and Cibonet Cellars. John is well known for his work with the Tanat Grape. In a recent virtual happy hour, he even mentioned starting a Tanat Council of Texas to promote Tanat as Texas's best red grape. A 2017 Tanat from Rustic Spur Vineyard is one of the first wines that John is releasing at Carville Hills. Just before Thanksgiving, Jessica Dufui had a roundup of 12 Thanksgiving wines for Texas Monthly. I'll link to it in the show notes. She selected a bunch of my favorites. And in fact, I included three of those same wines in my article for the State Fair of Texas that came out that same week. Congratulations, Texas Heritage Vineyard, for being named Best Wine Tasting Room by readers of the Fredericksburg paper. Slate Mill Wine Collective was named Best Winery. And that's the recent Texas news. But now I want to take a look back at the Texas wine news during 2020. Yes, the year was dominated by news of COVID and all the related winery tasting room closures. There were canceled parties and festivals and extremely low to non-existent restaurant sales. It was mostly a long, rather depressing saga that continues even now. But there were a few bright spots. These are the top 23 Texas wine stories of the year, according to me. Number 23, Texas wineries did a great job connecting with customers via virtual wine tasting events. Number 22, there was a lot more direct-to-consumer shipping and even curbside pickup for those lucky enough to live near their favorite wineries. Number 21, a delicious Texas wine raised money for the Southern Smoke Foundation to benefit restaurant workers that were impacted by the pandemic. William Chris Vineyards and master sommelier Craig Collins collaborated on that wine. Number 20, a political action committee, Save Texas Wineries, was formed to help impact policies that support wineries. Number 19, travel to Texas wineries, particularly those in the Texas Hill Country, was strong. A road trip within the state was as far as many people got to travel this year. 18. The 2020 Vintage was extremely light in the Texas High Plains, thanks to a fall 2019 freeze. What was harvested was very good quality, but there just wasn't much of it. The 2020 Vintage will be one that has a more significant focus on hill country fruit. Those vineyards were not impacted by a freeze. 17. Texas wineries were frequently in the national news. William Chris Vineyards, Ron Yates, and Peternalis Cellars were names that came up frequently in national stories about COVID. But even beyond the COVID stories, the national wine magazines and online sources like Forbes.com published more Texas wine articles than ever before. From stories on specific grape varieties to travel stories to stories on winemaking trends, there were a lot of Texas wine stories. State and local media coverage on Texas wine was strong, too magazine had a fall cover story on the texas hill country austin san antonio and houston media also contributed to healthy coverage of texas wine in 2020 number 16 three cheers for new wines and wine brands like messina hoff's bonarigo family wines and wine for the people's la valentia ready vineyards introduced a new lower price line of wines for everyday drinking Number 15, new wineries like Slate Mill Wine Collective and Calisee Cellars in Fredericksburg, Carter Creek Winery in Johnson City, and Triple N Ranch Winery near Cedar Creek Lake in northeast Texas, just to name a few. 14, new tasting rooms like the C.L. Buteau Wine for the People tasting room that was already mentioned, Rancho Loma Vineyards opening in Fort Worth, a new home for West Cave Cellars in High, and Berkeley Hill Vineyards' new tasting room in Lubbock. And how about that tasting treehouse at Sandy Road Vineyards in Johnson City? Number 13, the development of lots of new vineyard acreage. Two worth noting, Carter Creek along 290, and William Chris's new vineyard in Johnson City. Twelve. At least a couple of wineries got new winemakers, including 4R Ranch and Ready Vineyards. Number 11, the Texas Department of Agriculture named Jason Hysaw the Texas Wine Ambassador. Coolest job title ever. Number 10, there were new spots for wine tasting, including the Parlor in Johnson City, although I guess it technically opened in late 2019, and soon rerouted 210 in San Antonio. Number nine, there were a number of new building projects this year, including Fiesta Winery's Arch Ray, which is not just a new winery, but a full resort. There's also Siboney Cellar's new winery on Highway 290 and Messina Hoff's Harvest Green in Richmond outside of Houston. Number eight, the State Fair of Texas named 12 Blue Ribbon Wines in spite of the fair's cancellation. The mixed case of all 12 is still available for sale, and cases of the wine have been sent all over the country. A series of virtual wine-tasting events brought people together for wine education. Number seven, the great new wine book that covered Texas. Author Jessica Dufui was a guest on the podcast. Her book, The Wines of Southwest USA, is available on her website. Six, the coolest new collaboration that I saw was one between Texas Fine Wine and the Texas Pecan Board. Participants received a bag of pecans, some great recipes, and five bottles of wine from the wineries represented by Texas Fine Wine. Jessica Dufuy and cookbook author Melissa Guerra joined the Texas Pecan Board president to discuss wine, pecans, and all things Texas, it was really interesting, and I now have a newfound appreciation for pecans and a new favorite recipe for slow roasting them. And the wines were truly some of the best I tasted all year. Number five, a new Texas wine magazine by the Cross Timbers Wine Trail. It's available at all the wineries on the Cross Timbers Wine Trail. And if you missed it, go back and listen to my podcast episode with Chuck Tordiglione, who organizes that trail. Number four, a new wine trail emerged, the Sam Houston Wine Trail. Although their events were seriously derailed in 2020, we expect good things in the years to come. Number three, wine enthusiast named Chris Brundrett, one of the 40 under 40 tastemakers for 2020. Number two, the one big merger that made news. William Chris and Lost Straw Cellars merged finalizing a deal that had been in the works for quite some time. More on that in a moment. And number one, Texas continues to produce some exceptionally good wine. Texas continued to do very well in national and international wine competitions. No matter what other great stories come out of Texas, please let's keep raising the bar on the wine that's produced here. Well, these were the most exciting Texas wine news stories of the year, but I bet you had your own personal Texas wine highlights. I did, and they included starting this Texas wine podcast, of course, plus visiting maybe a dozen or so Texas wineries that were new to me, being a judge at the Lone Star International Wine Competition, helping harvest grapes at Abastris Winery, writing 10 Texas wine stories for Texas Wine Lover website, and connecting with so many other Texas wine enthusiasts through social media and occasionally even in person. The in-person opportunities were far too few this year, but I hope that changes in 2021. Now let's get on with the main event. I was delighted to talk with Chris Brendret, co-founder of William Chris Vineyards, and Andrew Sides, co-founder of Lost Draw Cellars, about their recent merger. The merger was announced in late October, and the new company is called William Chris Wine Company. Chris and Andrew started officially working together on Sway Rosé, their canned wine brand, that was launched in 2017. As you'll hear, this merger combines four different wine brands, Lost Straw, William Chris, Sway Rosé, and The Grower Project, which is Andrew's label, with winemaker Ray Wilson. The merger announcement made it clear that both tasting rooms are staying open— and the wine clubs will remain separate, at least for now. Now here's my interview with Chris and Andrew. I'm excited to have you both here today to talk about the most exciting news in Texas wine that's happened recently. And I understand that it was groundbreaking for Texas. I understand there's never been a merger of this sort. But back in mid-October, you guys announced the merger of William Chris Vineyards and Lost Straw Cellars. So first of all, congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it.
0: I should have known that you guys were sharing secrets because when I was at Lost Draw Sellers back in the summer, the person who poured for me was Catherine Brundrette's stepfather. <laughs> so I thought that was um, a fun, maybe you sent him over as on a mission, Chris, but you've talked some about the ways that your company will work together to Help employees, and I'll get into some of those in a little bit. Just the more business side of things, the four hundred and one k health insurance, and so forth. But how will the two companies be merged into one in ways that consumers can see?
1: Um, well, the the, the the short answer is not very many, um, with the exception of um, like added vineyards and just greater greater resources. Um, you know, ultimately, Lost Straw Sellers was. Cru- cruising along living its best life. William Chris Vineyards was cruising along living its best life. Like we were, both companies were, were, were really successful. And obviously one of the, hopefully one of the greatest tests of, of tests of our generation uh, going through COVID. Um, and of course we're not done with it yet, but um, both companies really just navigated incredibly well um, through, through, um what I hope is the, the, the greatest part of Corona. We'll, we'll see what that ends up being. Um, but bringing these companies together from a consumer side, um, you're really not going to see a whole lot of changes. Um, winemaking teams are staying the same. In fact, they're, they're, they're actually getting more resources available to them, um, to, to each, each production team. Well, I say each production team. We're now one production team, but individual winemakers are staying the same. Um, that's not changing. In fact, our seller team is getting uh, beefed up um, right now. We're actually building um, a single or we're trying to work on um, greater production advantages to where um, we can bring in um, all of our trucks to one crush pad um, and give our winemakers a chance to make better wine instead of like being on the daily grind of watching the grapes go in the crusher, which is important, but um, also, I think one of the, the biggest advantages of, and we saw this year with uh, the interesting vintage that we had, is access to vineyards. Um, there's a lot of vineyards that William Chris has been um, in and around and, and have access to, had access to. Obviously, Lost Draw Cellars and William Chris Vineyards share quite a few blocks of grapes. Um, but now our buying power is just that much greater. Um, and I think ultimately, um, with the amazing not only production team, um, but administration team and um, uh, hospitality team, uh, direct to consumer team that Lostra already had, now joining forces with us. We're getting the whole teams get a chance to do a better job because of our synergies. And it's been really cool to see a lot of the back office stuff that nobody really gets to see. Um, you know, William Chris Vineyards was a, uh, were a uh, 11, 12. Eleven or twelve year old company, I can't remember. And last draw what drew a six year old company. Um, yeah, this is their seventh year, so. Yeah. Right, um, you know, really, William Chris Vineyards has stepped in quite a few potholes, and it's it's nice to be able to say, "Hey, friend, let's not step in that pothole again because we already stepped in that one." So, um, but I don't, I don't know, Drew. What did I miss there? Um, maybe maybe website rejuvenation, but I mean that's such a I mean it's a big thing, but it's a small thing.
2: Yeah, just to kind of add into your, your points, like the like you said, the winemaking will remain very separate, but there's so many opportunities that we have uh, through harvest especially. And like throughout the year, like most of the like the very, very important uh, part of the winemaking happens in about a two-month time span, like through harvest and like when like the primary fermentation and then getting wine into barrel to kind of put away. Um, and right now, I mean, obviously that is a, a time where we were already doing a lot of shared trucking and things like that. But it, it's made it so much easier to actually like not have to worry about dividing like these certain aspects of like the billing and, the you know, just difference in employees uh, just provides for opportunities for growth within our companies, which is something that Chris and I both were really excited about areas where we can Totally, like, focus on making better wine instead of having to, you know, worry about too much of the other. And it's also given a great opportunity for all of our team. And the yeah. fact that, like, the company now has over eighty employees, and it's it's great when we have, um, you know, different personnel that'll come in, they'll get trained, and they go off and they, you know, make a career move, and they're able to work within the industry with another company, another company, but. There's a lot of times that when we develop and train uh, talent from within, we want to be able to keep them. And to be able to do that, you have to have opportunities with the company for growth. And I think that this provides a lot of that, those opportunities. I'm excited for their excitement, to be quite honest. I think that they're super excited about being a part of something a little bit bigger. And they know that uh, the direction that we want to strive to be as industry leaders and have always uh, been that way, like even when our companies weren't together. And I think just the, the joining of that kind of mindset has just really rejuvenated the team and uh, they, they know they're a part of something great. And they want to be a part of the really driving Texas wine and really setting the bar. And that's what we want to do every day. And I think that giving us bringing our companies together really gives us the opportunity to fulfill that dream.
0: I think probably every merger statement in history has had something about shared vision and values. But when your company statement put that out, and then I heard you talk about it on the Facebook live that you did together, I actually believed it. And in fact, you brought up some of the points and I I wrote down what you said, Andrew, you said one of the biggest things that you and I, you're talking to Chris, one of the biggest things that you and I have always talked about is how to make a better place for people to work. It's been a passion of ours for a really long time, and it's exciting that the more people you can put together and the larger the company gets, you create more opportunities for people. This made so much sense. It's exciting to see people flourish in their environment. It's really cool to see people be nurtured and developed into great leaders within the whole industry. I I believe that you feel that deeply, and I wonder, in addition to being able to offer them benefits and things like that that are certainly important, you also talk about creating a fun work environment. So I wonder, can you talk about what that means at the new William Chris Wine Company?
1: Oh, well, some yeah. of it. Yeah, some ahead. of it I can talk about, and some of it I can't talk about. Ooh. <laughs> no, no, Andrew, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll finish up. No, I
2: mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, and, and Chris and I, and I have had this conversation over the last six weeks. Like, the last you know, eight months, I mean, and it truly has been about eight months since the pandemic kind of really hit us back in early March. Um, there have been some moments where it wasn't a lot of fun. And, and I think that not that we lost sight of it, it's just, that was, uh, that was one of the core values of the company that it it was just really hard to like grind out. It's just like, all right, we're having fun, aren't we? Like, this is fun. Like trying to like make this all work and keep people employed and um, it's hard to have fun when you're swimming from the alligator <laughs> yeah it, it's, uh, it it wasn't always like the funnest thing to do but I think that that it's something that we really wanted to strive to get back toward especially kind of closing out the year and uh really focus on it and bring some attention to it and and actually you know really challenge our team to like hey if you're not having fun doing this we need to do something different so it's uh it's been a kind of a rejuvenating month for sure just when we really we're trying to like focus back on fun is one of the core values of this company. So it's, well,
1: uh, to, to add on that too, drew, I mean, we, we had a great meeting with our, we're, we're working on strategy planning for 21 and 22. Um, and we really lined out all of our vineyards. We're working on, um, so growing, growing our vineyard, um, uh, kind of portfolio and decreasing some of the other vineyards that we're, we're not having fun with. We looked at it and we're like, guys are we making the wine we want to make i mean like we always look at and something that drew and i have always been lockstep on among other things is like if if we can't be if we can't have fun doing it if we don't enjoy doing it if it's not um profitable and if, if we can't be one of the best in the world at it, then it's not let's not do it if it doesn't hit those three categories um now i will say that um Drew and I sometimes do stuff that doesn't make money, and that's okay because it is a lot of fun. (laughs) And maybe, but we're we're testing out the waters and want to see what what works. And I think that's something that that our team is really good at. Is like, hey, let's explore this new thing. Um, Let's let's get better at it. Let's let's you know you know to really try something, you got to give it two or three or four vintages. Sometimes it works really well, but the uh, the market doesn't respond to it like you want, and it takes some education. And so I think that our company has really been been great at navigating that um but in regards to values i think that um and it was really an interesting experience bringing on um lost draw uh, and combining our values together obviously william chris had a pretty pretty in-depth value system we've gone through and like built it with our whole team and and really whenever we andrew and i started talking about uh this whole thing you know really two and a half years ago what was awesome is like they all they all aligned you know, there was, they hadn't lost, had never really put them on paper, but they lived those values. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of quote unquote mergers or like turnarounds or, you know, one company swallows another. And that's, it's almost the opposite. I mean, like we're, we're bringing together uh, two groups of people um, to make the world a better place and to have a lot of fun doing it. Um, And I think you'll see, and I, I think you'd ask anybody in our, um, anybody in our company, um, you know, Drew and I don't do this for the money. Um, You know, we want to, we want to build a company that'll be around for the next hundred years and um, that will continue to build the industry and make Texas a better place and make, make the country a a better, a better place to live and and ultimately have a positive impact on the world. And yeah, one day it would be nice to make some money. Um, You know, I guess we're we're in debt up en- enough to where <laughs> that's a far that's a long way off. But uh, you know, I think we're living our best life right now, and and uh, having a ton of fun doing it. And you know, it's we're, we're we obviously have to to be uh, profitable in order to provide for. I mean, it's a real thing. Eighty two souls um, that that we support each and every day. Eighty two families, um, and and soon to be eighty four by the end of the year, and then probably up in the nineties. By 2021, um, that's a real number. That's a lot of people to take care of, and um, and I say take care of. It is very. It, it, they take care. Everybody takes care of everybody. I mean, own it. Owning it is a huge part of our, our company value system, and um, everybody in our company feels it every day. They that's not my job doesn't exist in our in our company.
0: I know that 2020 has been challenging in a number of ways. First of all, coronavirus, but also because the vintage that we experienced wasn't what anyone really hoped for in terms of quantity. I heard you mention on that Facebook Live that what you harvested, that maybe some Tempranillo that was intended for William Chris was slid over to Lost Straw, and then the opposite happened on the Morved that Lost Straw was going to use that went to William Chris. Can we expect that the the different product lines will be kind of digging into a specialty or how do you anticipate um, deciding which wines get made by which group? And also will we have growth in, in both uh, William Chris brand and Lost Straw brand?
2: Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit um, just because I'm really focusing on programming for the overall company. And, and that's exactly what it is, is, both of our companies have kind of had and, and the wineries really have core wines that our customers and fans have come to expect year in and year out and we really know how important those are for each individual brand and we that's another like great thing about this this merger like for like an example Lost Draw Vineyards Tempranillo has been with Lost Draw and the Lost Draw brand for eight vintages now and it was a very, very short year. Now, William Christ has actually been getting some of that fruit uh, for some of their own programs for the last two years, I believe, Chris, that's right. And yes, here, because of the small quantity of it, it was, they were able to shift that over. It's not like a core wine for them. It's something that they use in some different blends and things, which makes fabulous wine. But for us, it's like a really, really important for our year, year in year out, in year in and out program. So, um, those are the kind of things and, and same can be said for like William Chris with Morvedra. I I coined it all the time, like William Chris and the, that brand has really made Morvedra a thing in Texas and made it and I think all the marketing and the things that you you see uh for the last five to six years, uh William Chris really has been kind of the kings of bringing Morvedra and attention to that specific variety to Texas. And Lost makes more bed. We do. It's just not one of our like core focuses. We do it um, as some, you know, specialized wines every year or so, but it's a big thing for William Chris. And so it was, it was very important for them to be able to more Vedra was one of the grapes that took the hardest hit this past vintage. And so it was very important for us to be able to maintain some of those programs for their, the William Chris program. And so we we're able to slide some of what we had over to them. It's just a perfect like, some kind of way to describe like how this merger like helps both of our companies and it allows us to continue to make some of these core wines, so that we can continue to build these programs and grow the programs as well. Uh, the Straw Vineyards Tempranillo started out as a 120 case lot for us. And now we, you know, make close to 500 cases of it. So it's just a, an example of how that growth like really um, can be helped out when you and share these different, you know, product lines.
1: Well, if you look at, too, the the evolution, I mean, m- merger or no merger, um, I think both companies were at a point where, like, we're trying to get better every year. And from a William Chris Vineyard standpoint, um, help me out, Drew, 90 SKUs, 80, 89 SKUs, something like that, last year? It's too many SKUs. Uh, but we are, <laughs> yeah. It is. I mean, I mean, like, it's how can we be great at that? And so, as a company in Lostra, w- while they weren't up in that number, but they're also feeling the same thing. We right we're on now. that same pathway, and and yeah. we recognized really early. It's like
2: we can't make it. It's really, really challenging for us to make world class wine if we're trying to make ninety five world class wines. And so, it's really. That's a point that we've made and a point of emphasis we've made in the last years. We have to shrink the number of different wines that we do and just to focus on making, you know, 25 or 30 like absolutely fabulous world class wines
1: every single year. A great example of that is our Texas High Plains Morvedra. Um, you know, we looked at that. Um, it, this happened in 2017, 2018 you know, so many folks, we were making nine different single vineyard Morvedras and so many folks would come up and be like, your Morvedra is my favorite. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like mine too. Like what's your favorite vineyard? And they're like the black label one, (laughs) you know, like, and and then you're like, you know, we launched in this like vineyard campaign of like really teaching people about growers and connecting and, and people ultimately want to hear stories about growers, but like, Drew and I will sit, we could talk two hours right now be- between the differences in, in Southern Terry County and in uh, north Northwestern Terry County, and there's about seven other people that could maybe entertain that conversation and be interested, <laughs> but other than that, and there is really cool differences, but if you take the 2018 Texas High Plains Morbed, and I got to give my hat off, or credit where credit's due, Tony O'Feel, our winemaker, who really did a bang up job. Um, We took seven or eight different vineyards and fermented and and did extended maceration and really built this incredibly gorgeous wine. Um, And we did 1,300, 1,400 cases of it to where we can have that wine for the next eight years, 10 years in the library. We can release that wine. We can go to New York with that wine. We can go to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, um, that wine can be on restaurant menus and um, and it's a really incredible wine and we can work harder at that wine and in, in making that out of, you know, five or seven different Texas High Plains vineyards and make it make it make a better wine um, that touches more people and impacts the world more than making seven different single vineyards. Are we going to make a couple of single vineyard wines? Absolutely. I'll, quite a few of them, but You know, 90, we're trying to get the 90 down to 60. Same thing with Hunter. You know, we only make about 1,800 or 1,500 cases of Hunter every year. We're trying to build that program into maybe three or 4,000 cases and use all of our incredible old Merlot and all old Malbec vineyards, maybe even some cab vineyards, to really build a beautiful Texas High Plains wine. Same in the Hill Country, too. Um, We've got Enchante, which that program is growing instead of doing five different single vineyard merlots and in uh, cabs um you know we'll still do one or two but let's make an enchanté out of the hickory sands more incredible and have more layers and more staying power uh, that can be around for vintages to come i mean we're drinking some of the 2000 i drank a 2012 a couple of of uh, uh nights ago and i wish we had 200 500 more cases of that unfortunately it's all gone
0: you mentioned Hunter, and I'd like to take a minute and talk about that. Um, Andrew, I know that early on, before you were full time in the Texas wine industry, your uncle Andy, Andy Timmons, one of the greatest grape growers in Texas, sent you out to William Chris Vineyards to taste through their lineup. Can you tell us what you remember about that day and what made an impression?
2: Yeah, the the Hunter has always been like one of the wines that drew me to William Chris in the very beginning, and I've been
1: seeing you drinking that Shantae lately. Don't think yeah, I don't see it. All right,
2: but yeah, so it's it's really cool because the that I knew that the story behind Hunter is really cool. The the vineyard out there, and uh, just knowing how like the it actually truly does have some of the, <laughs> the oldest grapes from Terry County in it. And just growing up in that area, it was kind of always special to me. I was always drawn to it, but hearing the story of that wine and then now to be a part of like helping put it together, it's just, it's kind of come full circle. It's really special. So that's uh, been a wine that's always kind of close for me. It really turned me on to Texas wine in the very beginning. And especially knowing that Lost uh Malbec has always been a part of that program and being a part of starting that vineyard. So it's,
1: it's pretty cool, pretty special wine for me.
0: And Chris, you've called Andy Timmons one of your inspirations.
1: Uncle Andy's been there. Um, you know, I, just for me for so many years and, um, you know, ultimately, I mean, Bill Blackman is one of my biggest inspirations, obviously he was, you know, an amazing farmer. And, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes I, he gets overshadowed, um, or, or, or doesn't get enough credit as well. But, um, you know, Andy, Andy was the guy that was on my doorstep when I was a very young winemaker at another winery saying, Hey, I'm Mandy Timmons. I want to grow grapes for you. And, you know, and I think like, there's been so many instances where our careers have just kind of leaned on each other over the vintages. I think, um, 2012, maybe it was a pretty big vintage and I helped them sell a couple hundred tons of fruit and Connect so many wineries with with so many vineyards, and then I think thirteen and fourteen, which were really down vintages. Um, you know, he man, he he gave it up. He really helped us and and scratched our back. You know, and and um, I will say too that there was a big growth period in two thousand and twelve, um, coupled with Andy needed to get rid of some fruit, but Andy really said. Hey, I've got this extra 50 tons of fruit. And I said, Andy, we'd love it, but I, I can't pay for it. And he was like, take it, pay me when you can, don't worry about it. And that is just one of a hundred different things that have happened over the past, well over a decade now. Um, I think I met Andy in 2006, um, that has, that has happened. And he always like, I think he always respected me cause I was always there. Um, I, I, I was always in the vineyard, you know, like, always there to get for the pick always there five, 10 times during the year. And like, not many winemakers are, are like that. And, you know, that's something that was, was just like the way for me. And, and Andy also has inspired me in so many ways. Like I'm always, if I'm having a tough decision, I know that I can take like an unbiased view and call, call Andy and he'll, he'll give me a really great, interesting point of view um, that, that I appreciate on, he's been around a lot of different businesses and a lot of different organizations and um, you know, he's, his faith is, is also incredibly strong. And I know that um, I really just value his opinion. To say the least.
0: So the merger has um, changed the roles of your three co-founders. I know Bill Blackman is one that you mentioned, Chris, and I know he's yeah. still very much involved in the industry. Obviously Andy Timmons is as well. And then your father-in-law, Andrew, um, Troy Otmers, Tell me about what that transition has been like for you two and for them.
1: Um, it's been, it's been, and, and I will say it's been a transition for Andrew and I too. Um, yeah. And a significant one that one that we're, you know, we're, I don't want to say we're out of the weeds, but we're, I, we, we've covered some ground because it's been, um, I don't even say difficult, just different in, you um, I'll give you an example. You know, Troy was out to dinner with us like, two or three months ago, and Troy's like, "Chris, something I need to do. You know, is, is, is can I can I continue to work here?" And I was like, "Troy, absolutely, yeah." And he's like, well, I've never had to ask for a job in thirty-eight years." And I was like, "Well, Troy, like, you're, like you're gonna, you can." be here as long as you want for the next 20 years. We're expecting that, you know, Um, you know, and Bill and Troy is like, he eats, sleeps and breathes that place. I mean, we're talking about, he does it. How long has he been doing coffee there? Uh, Andrew? Uh,
2: His his granddad started the little coffee group here probably, years ago, and it's still like meets every single morning. They're not right now because of the pandemic, but um, they've, they've, kind of had a continuous coffee club and you can learn a lot at the, at the coffee
1: club maybe. <laughs> a lot about the town Well, and, and, and Bill's transition to just um you know him sliding off the executive team um you know which we we never had an executive team until about two years ago so it's not like it's like uh it's, you know crazy dynamic group but um you know and he's fo- focusing on vineyards and I tell you what he's I mean, we're we're picking up vineyards left and right. I mean, we're farming a lot more uh, this year and next year. Uh, we've got a lot of big stuff on the horizon. Um, we've got the Johnson City property building now too. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of moving and shaking, and Bill's got a lot on his shoulders right now. And um, you know, he, it's it's not that he doesn't care. Like he's very passionate, but you know, we have hour and a half long conversations about culture and um hr related activities that are coming up and 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 bill's just like can i go yet (laughs) you know he he doesn't want to and he he's very passionate about it but like that that's not his that's not his strength and if if this company is going to be the best it can be for all of its 82 souls we've got to all play to each other's strengths um and then develop uh, and work around our weaknesses um but andrew and i know changed roles i mean Andrew's uh, uh, not on the the direct consumer front as much, Um, you know, that he's transitioned that to our CEO, Anthony. Um, And I'm, I'm stepping away from the seller a a bit more um, and, and doing kind of grand scale production stuff, but, uh, and also blending with, with Tony that hasn't changed. Um, But uh, Andrew's directing all of our kind of traffic as far as glass purchases and, uh, corks and just the movement like to to move 800 tons of fruit from how many different blocks this year um which which is yeah, like 54 like, vineyards I think for sure. yeah it's just it takes a lot of logistics of course i'm still there helping but um to have the that kind of block of work that's now been transferred to to andrew um has really really helped out and i, I like man he is we've all got to let go of some pieces and, and, and then all pick up some pieces. And it's been a, it's been a really good transition. Um, but you know, we, we've all had to communicate our way through it. Andrew, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's been great. I
2: think, you know, obviously there's always going to be challenges with everyone kind of like figuring out exactly what we're going to have to do, but it's something that probably needed to happen, um, within both companies and the structure of both companies, just, I know that there was several people on the William Chris team that had probably more assigned to them than they really needed, and uh, the same can be said for our team as well. And just being able to give focus to fewer things just makes everyone better, and it makes us more efficient, and it makes us happier to go to work and to focus on those few things. And um, I, I don't know, across the board. And, and speaking about Andy and Troy, um, Troy's—I I don't know that Troy's not been here I mean he's actually quarantining right now because of a covid exposure but other than the 14 days that he's been doing that I think he's been here every single day since this happened and he'll probably be here every single day until he's you know can't get out of bed any, anymore but um and then Andy <clears throat> Andy is excited about this as well because I I think for Andy his true passion is trying to be like the best farmer in Texas great right, in our industry and this has given him so much more time to focus on that. And in the last two years, he's even expressed, you know, the need to be in the vineyard more, to be walking through blocks more, just to be on top of uh, <clears throat> everything going on. And he's, he's farming more acres now. He's managing more blocks and he's doing it for us, for our team. And he'll always be a big part of that. And he'll always be a big part of our story. And we'll continue to, you know, work with him for about, 50% of the grapes that come from the high plains come from a uh, block that Andy farms. So that's a, uh, for us, for all,
1: all of the combined company programs. It, it should also be noted too, that on um, this whole merger, there's no way in hell that it could have come together without uh, Andy Timmons, Troy Otmers, and Bill Blackman, their willingness to, and, and desire to make this work. And, and, I know it's because they love us and they want us to continue growing the industry, but they did it for the people. I mean, 80, 82 families. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of this. And um, I don't know, it's incredibly touching to me that their willingness to, to make this work. I mean, it's kind of, it's not like going to your dad, but like in a weird way, it's like going to your, I mean, it's like going to your uncle or your grand, like going to your best friend who's also your mentor and you know, and like you're going up and saying, like, hey, I want to do this. Are you mad, or is this something that we, sh- we shouldn't be doing? And then they're like, kind of smile and take him to the wing, and like, let's let's talk about it. Let's make it happen. And it, it just—I don't know. I think I know Druid's in the same boat or a similar boat, but it's just so beautiful to 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 because they want they want the people of our companies or our company to be better, to have more resources than what we had when we started.
0: I wonder if this is true. I read that when the two of you decided to start Sway Rosé, that Bill Blackman is like, that's all you, Chris. I don't really want to get into canned wine. (laughs) That was kind of a
1: reason that we started in in the canned wine because we we wanted to do a brand together, but we also didn't want to compete. Um, Drew and I felt very strongly about that. And we also pitched it. I mean, I pitched it to to Bill and I was like, hey, do you want to jump in this? And he was like, "Mm -mm, nope, (laughs) like not even a little bit. Um, And I feel like it was a good kind of, I don't know, not first date, but good. I mean, it's great to be best friends, but you know, doing business together, just learning how each other works, is also different. And it was a, it was a great first step. And um, so, look at look at Drew's face right now. You see how he looks. Right, that that smile is barely cracked. That's how he looks all the time. <laughs> he's never even when he's incredibly happy, straight faced. And so, like, it's good to know that you know going in that. Uh, you're like, hey, is Drew Drew pissed? Nope, that's just how he looks, you know.
0: <laughs> just his face.
1: <laughs> and he really is. We are both incredibly happy people, and I think Andrew is, is happy all the time. And uh, and he's a deep thinker, but you know, doing Sway together really helped us. Uh, you probably found out how scatterbrained I am and how like all over the place sometimes I am. Yeah, I knew what it, I was getting into. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good that's a good way
2: to talk put it, it as like a good first date figure out it's so important to just learn how it's almost like a marriage like learn how the faults of your of yourself and the faults of your partner and uh, figure out how to work around those and understand each other really well and I think it was a good good kickoff for us for sure
0: well if you're talking about trimming down some of your wines from making so many I hope that I hope the Sway Rosé stays and really all your Rosés. I love the Cunhoy's Rosé at Lost Draw Cellars. I love Cunhoy's in general. I like your single varietal bottling of that a lot. Um, And congratulations, by the way, to Lost Draw Cellars. I know they just won Best Rosé in Texas from the Lone Star International Wine Competition. And I got to taste that and um, was on that panel. So it's a lovely wine. Now, one of the frustrating things that I find as a Texas wine consumer is that I may hear that's the best rosé in Texas and want to get my hands on some, but I can't because, you know, they don't have H-E-B in the Dallas market and Central Market doesn't carry it. And I was willing to drive for an hour to go find it, but nobody has it anywhere near Dallas. Specs and Total Wine don't have it. And my local independent wine shop doesn't have it. So you mentioned a little bit about distribution with the larger quantity of uh, the 18 Morvedra being produced. What do you, what will this merger do for distribution?
2: I think wholesale in general has actually seen the biggest boost because of this. We actually have a full wholesale team now. And prior to that, like each one of our, our brands, we're basically just relying on one person to try to manage a wholesaler, like direct distribution, like all of it. And now we have a, a team that's actually out representing all the brands that are in the portfolio which has been huge for growth like we've already seen it in the last quarter we've increased numbers in a pandemic just because of our wholesale team so it's been pretty pretty remarkable to see how the focus are there again having you know being able to have certain people that are just focused on growing that distribution aspect of all of our brands has been you know monumental for the success and, and making it available that was I was going to say, we have a lot of arguments around wholesale, but both of, our, of us realize that there's such a need in our industry, in the Texas wine industry, to have good Texas wines available in wholesale and in retail, and that were grown in Texas. Yeah, that are actually grown in Texas, that are actually 100% Texas wine, and it's it's a big thing and a big jump for like that. I feel like our industry needs to make and it's going to take some sacrifice. Like it really does take sacrificing time and energy. on. We've kind of got the direct consumer thing figured out. I mean, for what you can have, you know, it's always changing, but um, we are, we're putting a lot of focus in trying to get, make more Texas wines that are actually grown in Texas available on the shelves, of people's supermarkets so they can go and grab them and pick them up and not have to, you know, relying on rely on a trip down to the hill country to, to pick up their favorite
1: wine. We, we also got a, we're pretty sensitive um, and have a lot of talks about, um, we have so many amazing fans in, in both brands um, and huge supporters and they love the single vineyard wines and they love Hunter and the, and, and all, almost all these wines are never going to be available or ne- never even in a meaningful way in wholesale um, just because we don't make enough. I mean, the, the old vineyards like the in, in like, there's just no reason to, um, and so we've got other brands like Skeleton Key um, and Grower Project um, and you, you know you know Texas High Plains Morvedra, that do have that opportunity to grow, um, and so it, part of us doing our job right is is being able to identify what what does have the potential to grow, um, but another thing that I think that that is very relevant is. Um, our four brands now have, uh, when I say four brands, you know, skeleton key grower project, William, Chris, um, and lost raw sellers, you know, you know, there's a team of three people, three and a half people really in our marketing department that all they do every day. That's not true. A big part of what they do is try to make online experiences. Um, and it's, it's an amazing, it's a very tough job. To be able to maintain multiple websites and um, keep up with all that shipping availability. But if there's one thing that COVID has taught us is um, we've got to have this online marketplace for our fans. And um, I think it's going to be easier and easier. So one of our, our goals is to, to make all those wines available um, and maybe even more wine um, on an online marketplace um, in 2021. That's very flexible that you could potentially add, add wine from, you know, and fill up a box, um, to make it easier. Like pretty much anywhere in Texas is one day shipping. Um, and you know, typically you can find some really great um, opportunities for shipping included. And so you can find that favorite rosé that you're looking for. Also, if you don't see something on the website, like nine times out of 10, if you call the office of either brand and say, Hey, I really want this wine. Is there any way that I can make that happen? Like nine times out of 10, they will. Um, or we will. Um, and so there's always an opportunity if you really want to get that special wine. Um, you know, and, and we have white, white and rosé clubs that I know that, um, they, they really suck up a lot of that single vineyard stuff that gets really special.
0: Good stuff. You have said that you want to grow as a company, um, relying on hill country fruit and having a little more balance and where your Mm -hmm. fruit comes from between the high plains and the hill country. Can you talk about some of the reasons why?
1: Um, There's a, there's several reasons. Um, You know, a, it's closer, (laughs) the big reason. Um, And we are so blessed with the diversity of terroir right here in the hill country. Um, And by the way, when I say that we want to, we want to get more reliant on hill country fruit, that doesn't mean that we don't like the High Plains by any stretch of the of the imagination. Um, the High Plains is doing a great job. Some amazing farmers, and we're going to continue building with farmers that share our same values. Um, and there's but there's a lot of opportunity in the Hill Country that is close that we can you know right now we go to the High Plains and we have nine nine or ten stops. So you talk about a day trip or a two day trip, you know, you're to spend meaningful time in vineyards. Um, it takes a lot. And if we can do that at home, or if we can do that at home with, say, a larger vineyard, that we can see nine different blocks in one vineyard. Um, we can be better wine growers, better wine winemakers, um, spend morning, more meaningful time with with our vineyard managers. Um, and and that's, that's how we get efficient. I mean, um, for us bouncing around all these little two and five and six acre vineyards, um, it's and, and, and believe me, we have many of those that we'll never ever come off of because we love them so much. But as we grow, we've got to be able to get efficient, and um, and we want to build in the right places. I feel like after a decade, we know what varieties to plant where and what we like to taste, and we're gonna we're gonna do more of that and less of um, you know banging our head against the wall um, and trying to make something work because like we're, we've got 82 souls to, 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 worry about every day. And we want to plant the right varieties in the right site um, with like-minded people. Um, and, and, and I think that has, that is the number one concern there of like why we're so, um, so concerned with, 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 building in the hill country, you know, also I don't know what's going to happen with dicamba drift in the high plains as well. Um, you know, we've, we I didn't walk into a vineyard in the High Plains in 2020 with that didn't have dicamba drift, and um, you know that it truthfully scares the shit out of me. And I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, I think there's more some vineyards that are a little bit safer than others, um, but if long-term dicamba use does not stop or uh, change in some way, I'm definitely afraid of what's going um, to happen to High Plains wine growers.
0: That's an interesting topic that we could spend a lot of time on, but um, yeah, that's a
2: can of worms right there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, what what are you trying to do as a company, or is there anything that you can do um, to try to get on top of that issue? I know there was a setback recently um, with some news about how dicamba could be used in the future. But is there are there legislative steps that you can take, and then we'll talk about the other big legislation that's coming up next year.
1: Um, I think ultimately it just comes down to supporting our growers um, making sure that as a winery um, we 100% support their efforts um, obviously too we farm in the high plains as well so um, we've got a very vested interest in, in you know being um, half or, or more of our fruit um, it's very important that we support their efforts and then also know that the, 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 let them know that that they know that they can count on us that, if uh, we can be the, the gorilla to, to uh, go after some of these companies. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know the, how it's all going to play out, but I think ultimately just know that we will support them through a lot and um, in, in through the tough times. Um, just like, you know, we did a lot of that. Uh, the proof in the pudding, a lot of that in 2020 is going out and supporting our growers in numerous different ways by buying fruit by saying, hey, we're gonna pay you a little extra for this fruit, um, you know, thank you for farming it. Like, we only made a ton and a half acre. acre, um, but we're gonna, we want it, we wanna buy it, we wanna give you guys money, like, um, let's, let's make it. we actually pulled some really nice fruit this year. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of it out of the high plains. But it should be noted, the Hill Country had one of the best vintages of my career. Um, and we pulled quite a bit of fruit from the Hill Country this year.
0: Good stuff. So I mentioned that in January the Texas state legislature is going to reconvene and one of the issues that's expected to come up again as it has in the past several <clears throat> sessions is the issue of 100% Texas fruit. And for folks listening who might not be so familiar with that, the current federal guideline is only 75% of the fruit in the given bottle of wine labeled Texas has to be from Texas. So there could be 25% fruit from Washington, California, etc., um, and Chile. Chile, yeah, out of out of country. So, what I would like to know from you is: Does the merger give you additional um, sway over um, trying to get one hundred percent Texas labeling passed, um, or do you have a different strategy this year? What are you anticipating?
1: Um, you know, first and foremost, I, I don't know how much legislation it's going to be a totally awkward and uh, interesting tumultuous year i'm sure uh, of legislation i don't know how much stuff is, is is going to get passed um and and ultimately we'll we'll see um how many how hard a few big wineries really want to fight against against truth and labeling and um I know that we're going to be around for a long time and we're going to continue to um, uh, fight for truth and labeling um, in order for our industry to grow. Um, You know, but ultimately I think that the consumer, um, you know, that they'll, they'll really help sway this battle um, because the the consumer, if like it comes down to consumers care uh, if there's 25% Chilean or California juice in their wine and somebody's calling it Texas now this if this legislation passed wineries could still put 25 50 75 percent wine uh, from out of state they don't even they know that they don't even have to make the wine right they could just bring it in in a tanker truck and blend it in um, and, and and just bottle put it in a bottle and put a longhorn on it you know um, they don't even have to tell you. Um, But if this legislation passed, they could still do that. The only thing that 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 changes is like you couldn't use the word T-E-X-A-S. That's it. So they could still use the same label, same branding, all that other stuff. Um, And and so this would just put us up in the ranks like Oregon, Washington, California have all passed laws, New York um, to to change uh, this. And we actually have a state law. Right now, that says it's seventy five percent, and we just change that to one hundred percent. But ultimately, it's the consumer. Does the consumer care? Do they want to know? Do they want the right now? There is no way of knowing if there is twenty five percent or five percent or ten percent, um, and that ultimately hurts the industry, uh, in my opinion. And I think we're better than that. And, and there is there is good people on all sides of this issue. So I don't want to I don't want to say that somebody's bad for the way they think. Um, you know, but we we've seen how California, Oregon, Washington have grown their, their uh, industry with having truth and labeling. We want to compete with everybody in the world um, on a shelf. And when you look at ninety six percent of the wine, if you go to uh, a wine show, a wine uh, uh, bar, or H E B, you look at all these different countries, all these different states almost every bottle on that shelf has origin of authenticity behind it, protecting where that wine is from. And I mean, we're Texans. We should we should be proud of where our wine comes from and we should protect that. And right now Texas is not protected. And, um, you know, I think that ultimately that's, a, that's near and dear to Andrew and I's heart. And, um, y- you know, does it stop us from making great wine? Absolutely not. Does it stop us from, Building our company, absolutely not. Um, You know, we're going to keep on growing it. But I think ultimately, if Texas wants to play on a worldwide scale, there's a lot of fruit out there that didn't get bought this year, even on a low year year.
0: Well, we seem to have lost Andrew, but we're closing down on our time anyway. So I will um, just say thank you so much for all of your insights, and I'm excited for the future of the William Chris Wine Company. I know Thank that you were WCV strong during the pandemic, you. and you have a few other hashtags that you use. Is there a new hashtag for your combined companies?
1: Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we had a really fun time. We, had a, we threw a big party um, the night that everything came together, and we built a big teepee in the back, um, and everybody got to dip their hands in paint and help paint the teepee. And I don't know who did it, but somebody wrote, One Tribe, One Vibe. And, uh, uh, I don't know that, that may, that may stick. Um, but for all of you guys listening out there, you can, um, you can follow, um, you know, Lost Draw Sellers, um, William Chris Vineyards. Um, yes, we can wine all on Instagram. Um, Drew is MR underscored Drew baby. um, I'm at I G H Y E T X. Um, and, and we would definitely love to see you out on on the gram or on the Facebook world. We have lots of funny funny things that go on uh, go on there uh, for sure. Um, and you can also follow follow Real Texas Wine. Um, that's a hundred percent Texas grown wine. Um, that's the kind of moniker we've 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 coined to uh, and trademarked um, to, to to resonate with hundred percent Texas wine. Um, for all you guys listening out there too. Um, Please ask if it's important to you. If you don't care, if you don't give a shit, that's no big deal. I understand. Um, no, no harm, no foul. But if you do care about where your wine comes from, make sure when you're buying Texas wine, just ask. Say, hey, is this 100% Texas grown? Um, and, and, and you know, th- hopefully they'll tell you the truth, but there, there's really no way of knowing. Um, but it, it's important to us growers out there and our farmers um, and, and our wineries that work so hard. Um, and, and just because a wine's not 100% Texas grown, doesn't mean it's bad just FYI. Uh, I, 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 you know you can have great wines from all over the all over the world blended wines all that good stuff so um, for all you fans out there please 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 shop at your local winery um, you, you know um, we really appreciate HEB uh, central market whole foods um, uh, goody goody there's the uh, twin liquors there's lots of great companies that help share our wine but there's nothing that you can do to support your local winery more than buying wine online. Um, there's a lot of great um, shipping deals out there. Um, so please, for all you fans out there, check us out online um, at all our websites. Um, but please also, if, if you get to a restaurant, please, please look for us or ask for us. Um, if you don't see us in your store, please, please ask for us because, um, you know, all our brands are distributed uh, statewide. Um, and we definitely, definitely have wine that we can we can share with your local restaurant or your local retailer.
0: I had such a great time talking with Chris and Andrew. They're both so forthcoming and earnest, and I really believe in the vision that they have for Texas wine. They make consistently great wines, and I'm proud to be a wine club member at William Chris and at Lost Straw. One tribe, one vibe, y'all. Happy holidays to all of you. Stay safe as you're enjoying the festivities of the season. 2021 can't get here fast enough, if you ask me. I hope that the next year will hold many more opportunities to get out and enjoy Texas wine and visit more wineries. Hope to see you there. I've got something big going on in 2021 that I can't wait to tell you about. So tune in for the first podcast of 2021, which will be released on January the 14th. I'll tell you what's going on and announce my Texas Wine New Year's resolutions. I don't want you to miss it, so go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, and also please tell your friends to listen. Most people find out about podcasts through word of mouth, so share this on your social media. You can find all the show notes for this episode at www.thisistexaswine.com, and there are links to everything that I talked about. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter and subscribe to my occasional email newsletter. Did you know that it's possible to buy me a glass of Texas wine or two? Details are on my website. Click the Support the Podcast tab. Again, that website, www.thisistexaswine.com. Please email me with any feedback or questions. I always love to hear feedback from listeners. My email is texaswinepod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My handle is at texaswinepod. Texas Wine Lover will be 10 years old next year, and it's still the best place to visit whenever you have a question about a Texas winery or a Texas vineyard. Find it at txwinelover.com. Thanks, Jeff Cope, for helping promote this podcast. Join the Texas Wine Lover Facebook group, too. Thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of This is Texas Wine. Happy Holidays. Cheers, y'all.